Hail and well met, everybody. Welcome to Geek Thyself, a show by nerds, for nerds, who love geeking out over random facts and esoteric trivia. My name is Heather. I'm Russell. And we'll be your hosts for this journey through the wondrous land of information. Hi there, guys. Uh, welcome to this week's episode of Geek Thyself, where we're both Hi, here everyone. again. Yeah, yay, so, we both made it this time. <coughs> we did. Uh, just to keep you guys updating, we have now both had COVID. Mm-hmm. I'm convinced Heather gave it to me through the screen. <laughs> <laughs> through the screen and across the Atlantic Ocean and yeah, yeah, yeah. all of the United States, because I live on the West Coast, I somehow gave him COVID. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Very unlikely. Uh, no, uh, my mom uh, works in care, and some of the people she looks after got COVID. Once the building has COVID, pretty much it, it's unavoidable. But we yeah. both recovered mostly. We still both got a little bit of a cough that's lingering, mm-hmm. which is a bit rude. But we are uh, we're good because our vaccines did the job, and you know we we, we didn't completely lose all sense of who we are. It's great. Nope, nope. I did all right overall. I had like a day or two where I had a uh, fever. And I felt like crap, but otherwise I was fine. <laughs> oh yeah, there were a couple of days where it was like a really bad cold. But mm-hmm. That was about as bad as it got. Uh, I I lost my sense of smell, but that might have just been because my nose was so bunged up. I don't know uh-huh. if it was necessarily because it was COVID. Anyway, yeah, same. So... I I lost my sense of smell and taste for a day or f- for a few days. But again, yeah. was it just because it was a bad cold or was it COVID? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It, all I know is I've got it back now, and that's all that matters. So. Mm-hmm. Um, right, so this episode is going to be a bit of an odd one for us because neither of us are super into uh, digital currency, cryptocurrency, or NFTs in mm. any kind of sort of major sort of uh, way. We know but they exist. We, also, we do, but we also know that it's somewhat relevant and a, a, a significant topic for us to cover. So... Uh, that's what we're going to do. We are going to preface this by, by saying sometimes when we've gone over other uh, other cultures' uh, history and such is that we're not professionals, we're not experts, mm-hmm. we're just two people who like to learn about history and current events. Uh, if you're interested in this, we absolutely get, uh, recommend that you do your own research as well. Definitely. Because we know a surface level of this kind of stuff. Um, but we're not perfect and we're going to try and be as, as deep as we can be with, with what we're going to be talking about. Mm -hmm. Well, also being transparent with what we don't understand. (laughs) Absolutely. Because, um, well, for for one thing, we're millennials. You think we have money to invest in cryptocurrency? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, fair. (laughs) (laughs) That doesn't feel good, but it's also true. Uh, so... (laughs) We're not part of the investing demographic. We we don't have the money to set aside for that kind of thing. No, but the, the closest is that my husband does a little bit of stuff with the stock market, but it's like hardly anything. Yeah, which that's actually a fairly good place to start with cryptocurrency. Uh, in cryptocurrency, the first sort of major cryptocurrency that came about was bitcoin which probably most people have heard about if mm-hmm. even in passing i would imagine uh, yeah yeah and it's digital currency and it's designed to work as an exchange thing uh through 
the internet and computer networks and it's not relied on any banks or governments to uphold or maintain or protect it which also means that you can use your money more freely in concept obviously when it first started it was very difficult to spend the currency but that's definitely shifted as things have gone on Mm -hmm. uh individual coin ownership records are stored on a digital ledger which we'll get into in a little bit uh, as well we're going to cover blockchains briefly yeah. uh, and so yeah these databases are computerized using strong crypto cryptography to secure transaction records and to control the creation of additional coins and to verify who owns those coins and when they're transferred and stuff despite their name cryptocurrencies are not necessarily considered to be currencies in the traditional sense like we just said uh while varying categories has applied to them, including commodities, securities, as well as currencies. So the way that cryptocurrencies have developed is somewhat similar to uh, stocks in that the value on them when they first originated. Uh, when did they originate? Uh Yeah, uh, in 2009 is when Bitcoin first was created. Uh, the coins were worth very little. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now, as we've moved on and you've actually got more ways to spend uh, the currency, like on the internet, and I'm assuming on the dark web, I assume. Probably. I don't... Well, okay, I don't, I'll rephrase that. Neither of us spend time on the dark web, so we're no. guessing. Okay. But it seems likely that you could use Bitcoin, which is... To a certain anonymous. extent, anonymous and untraceable. Yes. Okay. I'll rephrase dark web to the Tor browser because they're a different thing. The Tor browser is just a more secure version of the internet to, to some people for whatever they need it for, which is lovely. But anyway, so in 2009, the first uh, cryptocurrency Bitcoin was created. Uh, and uh, using SHA-256, which is a cryptographic hash function as its proof-of-work scheme. I'm not sure what that means, but that's apparently what it is. <laughs> uh, and in 2011, Namecoin was created in an attempt to formalize uh, more of them and uh, would make internet-sensitive very difficult. Yeah. Uh, and then in October of that year, Litecoin was released, uh, using a script uh, as a hash function SHA two five six or or so again it com- using the it's, same one. It's got to be computer stuff that we just don't understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then another one came out then, which was called Peercoin, uh, and then. So, but the the sort of the progression of that is in the twenty in twenty fourteen the UK announced the Treasury had commissioned a study on the cryptocurrencies and what role they could play. The study was also to report whether regulations should be considered on it, and that report was published four years later in twenty eighteen, and it issued a consultation of crypto assets and stable coins in January twenty twenty one. Yeah. And, uh, okay. And, and then over time, more countries have gone on to pass bills accepting cryptocurrency and spe- mm-hmm. specifically Bitcoin, since it's the first one, as a type of legal tender. And it's continued mm-hmm. on. Um, looks like El Salvador became the first country to accept it in June of 2021 as legal tender. And then in August of 2021, um, Cuba, Cuba started recognizing cryptocurrencies such as Bitcoin. And then in September of 2021, China. <laughs> no. 
Keep reading that one. Keep reading that one. <laughs> oh, the... Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. That's, that's what I, I get for not finishing the sentence. <laughs> this um. is a general history one. Uh, China, the single largest market for cryptocurrency, declared all cryptocurrency transactions illegal. illegal. Yeah. <laughs> so th- th- that's a pretty big step back uh, for, for yeah. the currency in general. Um, whether that will stop people using it, obviously that's a different sort of thing. But yeah, um, right now... Th- so yeah, oh yeah, and mining. So basically, like I said, how the coins are made. Uh, mining uh, is uh, a validation for transactions. Successful miners obtain new cryptocurrency as a reward. Uh, the reward decreases transaction fees by creating a complementary incentive to contribute to the processing power of the network. Uh, basically, all of these hard drives are plugged in to make the system server more robust which mine the coins and they get incentives mm-hmm. to do it because they get more coins the more hard drive they have um again this stuff i don't mess i understand all that well all i know is that people use a lot of older hard drives and they buy them on the cheap to basically be running 24 hours a day until they stop working to to do this mining um and i know that now you get fractions upon fractions of, of coins where as you're mining, mm-hmm. where it used to be much more, uh, uh, much more. Um, oh, I'm trying to think of the word. Robust. Um, robust. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess like a, a larger reward, like in coins, like you get four coins uh, at that point. But now, yeah. Um, uh, so yeah. Yeah, and then there are six conditions um, that are used to define whether or something is a cryptocurrency. Okay. Um, one is that it has to be a system that does not require a central authority. Its state is maintained through distributed consensus. So basically there's not a bank backing it up. All of the people who are using the currency recognize that it is a system and is a currency. Mm-hmm. Um, the system keeps an overview of cryptocurrency units and their ownership. That's where the blockchains come in and keeping a ledger of the information. Which will cover, like I said, we're, we're, we are going to get to blockchain, but we, we have to do this in one bit, otherwise we're just going to confuse ourselves. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, three, the system defines whether new cryptocurrency units can be created. If new cryptocurrency units can be created, the system defines the circumstances of their origin and how to determine the ownership of these new units. So... Um, some of the system's new units can't be made, which is where like the, okay. f- the fractions of a unit come in and yeah. stuff. Where you, where basically there's no more coins to mine, so you're mining much smaller like mm-hmm. fragments of things. Yeah. Um, four ownership of cryptocurrency units can be proved exclusively cryptographically. So basically, in the data, there is ways to determine it. Um, it's it's so heavily encrypted, but there is a way to get to the information if you use cryptography. Five, the system allows transactions to be performed in which ownership of the cryptographic units is changed. A transaction statement can only be issued by an entity proving the current ownership of these units. Mm-hmm. So basically, okay. you, you can use it for transactions back and forth. And six, if two different instructions for changing the ownership of the same cryptographic units are simultaneously entered, the system performs at most one of them. Uh, that, that one's a little weird. 
Yeah. Okay. So also back just a little bit on the mining stuff is it's had a significant uh, impact on gamers uh, and uh, GPU uh, companies uh, that uh, basically GPUs are graphics cards which are used predominantly for uh, for gaming machines or high powered edit machines like uh, I've got a decent uh, GPU in in my work computer so I can mm-hmm. edit these episodes and I can use Premiere Pro and all that kind of thing. But those cards are particularly well suited for generating the um, uh, the mining uh, hashes, which means that these cards would immediately sell out of stock and be put back on the market or the secondary market at uh, a, a huge markup. So say like the GTX 1070 Ti, which came out a few years ago now, was sold new at four hundred and fifty dollars, but was being resold uh, by crypto uh, people or people trying to appeal to the crypto market at about a thousand one hundred dollars. And then there's the GTX 1060, which uh, came out at two hundred and fifty and sold for almost double that. So it has a big impact on the availability of mm-hmm. new uh, people who just wanted to like use them for. Not for business, uh, for, you know, just playing games and stuff. Made it very difficult for them to get a decent new heart, uh, a new GPU, one that yeah. can keep up with new releases. To the point where one of the biggest graphics card companies, that mm-hmm. um, NVIDIA, actually specifically asked retailers to do as much as they could to make sure that gamers were getting these cards instead of miners. Which is a difficult thing to sort of tell. Uh, especially if they're retailers, they're just mm-hmm. selling items. Uh, I think yeah. mo- what most did is they set limits on how many people can purchase. Which, to yeah. be fair, you don't need more than one GPU for, yeah. for a computer. If you're if you're doing it like if you're a gamer and you're updating your graphics card, even if you have two or three computers, like that's the most you're going to yeah. need. You just put a new one in each yeah. computer. You're not going to need a stack of like twenty of them to clear out the shelf. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> So, yeah, um, as I've already said, uh, Bitcoin is pseudo-anonymous rather than an- anonymous uh, because the wallet isn't actually tied to person, it's just tied to an account, but you could still find out who owned that if you tried. Uh, well, mm-hmm. I'm okay. They're not identifiable, but their transactions are available. So if people are sharing that information anyway, like the NFTs, which we'll get to in a bit, People are very, like, interested in showing off their collections. Kind of makes it less anonymous for them, but it, it, which is also why there are big issues where people have had their NFTs and their digital receipts uh, stolen. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've heard anything about about that. Um, I don't know details of how it all works, but I know it's happened. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Okay, so we covered that. Uh, something I mentioned to Heather before, because it's something I thought was absolutely wild, is that there are Bitcoin ATMs. Uh, and there is a couple in the United States. The first one was released in 2014 in Texas, of course. Mm. Um, but so yeah, you would, it would read government-issued ID and confirm like, their identities for the blockchain, and they could change that into money which is totally weird uh, just wild to me <laughs> it is a little crazy yeah um i think that's a decent sort of bit for cryptocurrency as a whole like i said we're not we're, we're not um 
experts. Expert. Thank you. That's the word. Um, I we, will. We, we both just finished word. But, oh, yeah. sorry. Have you got one more thing? I would. I was just going to say in terms of if you want. Thanks, Mowgli. If you want more information specifically on cryptocurrency, there is a previous Geek Thyself episode that was just on cryptocurrency. Um, it was yes. just me at the time. It was before Russ joined me. Um, and I am I am definitely not an expert. This is not my area of expertise. So please take every... I think I said that like two or three times in that episode too. But I did look up information to try to figure out more about exactly what it was and about a couple of different kinds. So if you'd like a slightly more in-depth focus on just the cryptocurrency, you could go try that episode. Yep, fair enough. Uh, so yeah, feel Feel free to go and have a look at that. Anyway, so moving on to blockchains. Like I said, uh, we covered it a little bit, but blockchains are essentially the digital ledgers and receipts of coins and cryptocurrencies being moved from user to user, or mm -hmm. from wallet to wallet, I suppose. Like I said, it, it doesn't associate users, it's a wallet. So, yeah, but it, it keeps it, all the records together, and it can vouch whenever these things have moved and for how much uh, of that particular currency they have sold for um and yeah uh, yeah it's, ba it's basically a, a very large but also very secure way to contain transaction receipts yeah. um it shrinks down but also encrypts the data so that you're dealing with a small, small piece of data that can then be expanded later if you need it to, but the actual transfer of the information goes much faster. Yeah, and because it's all run from a peer-to-peer -peer sort of network, which is very similar to, this is going to date me a little bit, but if you remember using LimeWire at all, where it was run, where the downloads came from people's PCs being used on the network as opposed to anything else. Mm. But, yeah. Um, one thing I will want to, uh, want to cover a little bit about blockchain, uh, or the or the blockchain, blockchain mining, or the peer-to-peer -peer computer co uh, communications, when which transactions are validated and verified, requires a lot of energy. Mm -hmm. um, in 2018, in June, the Bank of International Settlements criticised the use of public proof-of-work blockchains due to their high energy consumption. Uh, uh, and in 2021, a Cambridge a University study uh, determined that Bitcoin uh, used 121.36 terawatts of energy per hour. Hmm. Oh, terawatt hours per year uses more electricity annually than uh, an annually than Argentina, a whole country. That's nuts. <laughs> yeah, uh, and the Netherlands, who. Um, uh, who both who use one hundred twenty one terawatt hours and one hundred eight point eight terawatt hours, so uh, it's it's not very economically friendly, which is mm -hmm. a, a lot of the concern for uh, for just general sort of people looking into it. I know that when I was looking at it, I wasn't super super enthused about how much energy it takes to store digital receipts. Mm -hmm. I think. Okay, we always slip our own opinions into these because uh, it's a bit difficult to. Uh, I'm not super fan on the cryptocurrency, blockchain sort of stuff, and I'm even less of a fan of NFTs, and we'll get to that in a bit. <laughs> I mean, same. Um, 
So yeah, um, but just to keep it uh, objective, uh, they just use a considerable amount of energy. And according to Digiconrist, uh, one Bitcoin transaction requires 707 kilo, uh, 0.6 kilowatt hours of electrical energy to, to be used. Uh, the amount of energy that that could produce uh, would power an average US household for about 24 days. So each transaction is about a month of uh, energy for a home. Which, Which is, is insane. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, it is in- incredibly secure and it's good for what its function is, but it's not good to the environment. Mm-hmm. Correct. One of the things about it that is great for keeping track of transactions and being a digital ledger, but also, you know, contributes to why the files are so large and therefore so cost inefficient when it comes to energy is that the way the chains are designed you can't go back and edit a piece of the chain without it also affecting all the other chains it's like a domino effect so what that means is that you can't go back and change something in your favor or in someone else's and so that's one of the reasons they like it for this mm-hmm. yeah like that it's incredibly secure for what it is it's just I don't think the uh, the the costs way out personally. No, I mean um, I agree with you. Okay, uh, like I said, uh, we'll cover. We were going to cover these two pieces in the first half, and then we'll cover a little bit of NFTs in our next bit. So we're going to head out into our mid roll, and then we'll be back in just a mo for NFTs or non fungible tokens, and we'll get into that in a minute. Mm-hmm. Hi everyone, and welcome to this week's mid roll. Mm, what do you mean again? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, like always, I want to talk about our amazing sponsor, World Anvil. For anyone who hasn't checked out World Anvil before, I don't know where you've been, but you definitely should. It's WorldAnvil.com. It's the most robust and just in. I, I hesitate to say complete because there's always more stuff you can add, but it's the most mm-hmm. robust and fleshed out um, game management and world building software that I've ever seen. There are so many things you can do, whether you're a game master and you want to flesh out your world and make like a wiki that your players can use to look up information and connect the dots. Or if you're an author, they have an author version where you can um, you know, flesh out your world for your readers and make sure they have all the information. You can link different people to the cities they're from and things like that. It's just, there's so many features you can use. It's so amazing. Uh, hi, Mowgli. I definitely <laughs> recommend you check it out. It is worldanvil.com. Wonderful. Uh, also, people we think you should check out are the fine folks over at Castle Die Hard at dieharddice.com. Um, we they have been creating metal dice uh, for the past few years and expanded into so many different beautiful sort of uh, sets with their metal series and their Starbinder ones which have like multiple colors mixed into them. Their multi-class D20s that separate a half and have magnetic inside so you can swap them around. Uh, they also have wonderful new uh, polymer dice, which they use the uh, same mold and uh, experimented to other molds for. They have great accessories like their scroll of rolling, their pop up dice trays, their little meeple tokens for for tabletop uh, ro- uh, tabletop games, uh, and it's just it's wonderful. Uh, whatever you're looking for, you'll absolutely be able to find there. 
and uh, they offer free shipping domestically for you fine folks of America and <laughs> discounted shipping for everywhere else. But if you go there and find something you like, you can always use the code, use the code NERDSMITH22 to get 10% off your whole order. So if yeah, you've just got even more reason to go and spend more money on shiny math rocks, because that's what we invest in, isn't it? We invest in shiny math rocks. They're yeah. going to be worth a lot longer. Shiny click clack math rocks. Absolutely. So uh, we, uh, yeah, if you want to roll with the best, all you need to do is go, is to go to dieharddice.com, and yeah, uh, we love their dice. We hope you all too. And with that all being said, we're going to go back into the NFT talk. Right. Okay. Welcome back uh, to the second half of the episode. Hello, hello. Well, half. We're really good at half. Anyway, uh, so now we're going to talk about NFTs, which have become more prevalent over the past um, couple years, and it's really spiked up, and it really spiked up during the pandemic specifically. Uh, so we're going to cover that. Uh, but mm-hmm. anyway, what does NFT mean? NFT stands for non-fungible token. Yeah. Uh, um, which, which is just a mouthful, so I can understand why they just say NFT. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's a non-interchangeable unit of data stored on a blockchain, like we said, a form of digital letter that can be sold or traded. Types of NFT data units may be associated with digital files, such as photos, videos, audio. Because each token is uniquely identifiable, NFT differ, NFTs differ from blockchain cryptocurrencies, such as Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. NFT ledgers claim to provide a public certificate of authenticity or proof of ownership, but the legal rights conveyed by an NFT can be uncertain. Um, yeah, uh, NFTs uh, don't restrict people from like sharing and copying the digital file that the NFT has been taken a snapshot of, um, which is where this really gets confusing. So, say this episode of this podcast someone could mint this as an nft uh, and they would own that minting of it but they mm-hmm. wouldn't own the audio like they couldn't then take us take this audio and do whatever they wanted with it or they shouldn't be able to but we'll get to that in a bit um the same sort of thing with photos and like especially a lot of fan art and uh, original work has been um, taken uh, and had their them turned into an NFT link. Yeah. Um, so, um, which yeah. Anyway, so NFTs have been used as a speculative asset, and they have drawn increasing criticism for the energy cost and carbon footprint associated with validating blockchain transactions. Like we've already said, with the blockchain is extremely expensive when it comes to energy consumption, mm-hmm. uh, and. As well as their frequent use uh, in art scams, which we'll get to as well. Uh, and also, people have made the claim that NFT, the NFT market seems like a Ponzi scheme. So, yeah. lots to break down in that. Which, I mean, honestly, it kind of does. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Um, so, characteristics. Uh, an NFT is a unit of data stored in a ledger, like we already talked about. Um, so, it can be associated with any digital or physical uh, asset, like a picture of an apple, I suppose. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
Uh, anyway, uh, NFT, NFTs function like crypto, cryptographic tokens, but they are not the same as Bitcoins or Ethereum tokens, and NFTs are not manually interchangeable, hence the non, not fungible. I'm going to look what fungible means, because I'm not entirely sure. Yeah. Fungibility is the property of a good or commodity whose individual units are essentially interchangeable and each of whose parts is indistinguishable from another part. Okay, so basic, so dumb down for me, because I need it dumbing down for me. <laughs> uh, the Once the snapshot and like its ID has been taken, it can't be changed. So I, th- I think that's basically all that means. So when it transfers hands, there's no change in its ID, I think. Uh, that's I'm, kind I'm of what honest. I was getting from it too, but it's con- it is confusing. Yeah. Uh, uh, so while all Bitcoins are worth the same, well, because they are publicly traded now, so you can see how much a Bitcoin is worth, each NFT may represent a different underlying asset and thus have a different value. So um, it's very much a wild west of, of the values on what people have them and bought them for and sold them for mm-hmm. um with yeah so uh yeah it's it's a whole lot um one of the things that has people up in arms about it as well is the fact that a lot of companies are talking about going to non-fungible tokens for their sites um but unfortunately uh, what that would mean then is that basically you'd have money sunk into a site that you can't take anywhere else and do anything with yeah uh it'd be like having been forced to buy bit uh like gift cards for the site to use just there before you Mm -hmm. can do anything else and also those gift cards are bought with money that you can't get back and you can't use for anything else yeah it's it can be used within that sort of thing and the I'm not even sure if there's a way of getting your money back out of out of the, the blockchain system. Yeah, I don't know. Like I said, I have no I have no clue if that's a possible thing. Anyway, uh, history: the first NFT quantum was created by Kevin McCoy uh, and Anil Dash in 2014, and, con- and consisted of a video clip made by McCoy's wife, uh, and it was registered on the name coin name McCoin blockchain, and it's and sold uh, it to Dash for. Four for four dollars <laughs> yeah um but obviously those sort of things have become much more popular uh so yeah like um in the like 20 in uh, october 2015 the first nft project uh urethra was launched and demonstrated at devcon one in london uh uh, most of Ethereum's 407 purchasable and tradable hexagonal tiles were unsolved for more than five years until 2021. Hmm. Uh, so basically when everything in the pandemic came up, mm-hmm. these became more in the spotlight. Uh, when interest, when renewed in interest in NFTs sparked a buying frenzy, and within 24 hours, all the tiles of the current version and the prior version, each hard coded to one ETH, uh, uh, worth uh, 43 cents at the time of launch, were sold for a total of 1.4 million, which is a lot of money. 
Uh, so in 2017, well, basically in 2017, uh, online game CryptoKitties was monetized by selling tradable cat NFTs, and the NFT market experienced rapid growth during 2020, with its value tripling to 250 million. And in the first three months of 2021, more than 200 million was spent on NFTs. And in the early months of 2021, interest in NFTs increased after a number of high-profile sales and art auctions. Uh, yeah, um, a lot of influential sort of celebrities and stuff have been mm-hmm. getting involved in curating their own versions of NFTs. We've seen many different celebrities do it. And um, I, I, I can't think of any off the top of my head. But basically, they're just getting in on what, what, what it is. So, yeah, um, and I mean, they're... It's becoming a bigger and bigger topic lately, and obviously, you know, to each their own, make your own decisions. Mm -hmm. Um, Personally, I don't particularly like the idea of spending money on a token that I can't use anywhere else that also isn't great for the environment because of the amount of energy it's taking them to upkeep the data for that token to be created. And transferred, like we've already said mm-hmm. earlier, the transfer of any of these sort of things on the blockchain uses about twenty-four days of energy for a household. Mm-hmm. Which so, and these are being traded rapidly. So the amount of energy that's going into it is, frankly, absurd. It's concerning. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, uh, common uses for them are, like we said, digital art. Um, ho- uh, where people can create uh, pixel art and stuff like that, where, or you've probably seen if you're on Twitter at all the 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 sort of customizable monkey NFTs that have been around, which all have like the same kind of uh, pose and stuff, and then bits of it are, are altered for each individual NFT. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I've got less of a problem with those ones because they're at least unique pieces of work. Uh, but the sort of controversy about it is that people are minting, excuse you, uh, people are minting um, tokens of art. Back to where I was. Uh, people have been uh, creating tokens of digital art done by other creators mm-hmm. who then have to fight those to get them taken off the blockchain which then consumes more energy on the blockchain. And while it's not technically taking the art and, or the copyright, they are still taking the art and using it with their permission to be sold yeah. on a platform. For they're, the they're doing something person. with that art that is not something the artist intended it for, and they're doing it without mm-hmm. the artist's permission. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, uh, if artists are like interested in doing that, and that's down to them, but I, I've not got as much of a problem with that like outside the issues we've already talked about but because nothing is safe from being from uh, made into an nft mm-hmm. in in the concept it's uh, becoming a battle for artists to spend a lot of their time keeping their art either private which they don't want to do or fighting to to get these things removed from the blockchain because yep like I said, uh, you don't own the copyright of these things. Um, uh, of what, of what you're creating a token of, you don't own the the product. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, 
but so yeah like uh pretty much anything can be an nft like we said uh oh money laundering that's that's a fun one to talk about but it's important because it's getting into the scam sort of thing nfts with a blockchain securities and traditional art sales can potentially be utilized for money laundering auction platforms for nft sales may potentially face regulatory pressure for compliance with existing anti-money laundering legislation uh, the director of anti-money laundering monitoring and analysis center for the people's bank of china uh gao wenjun has expressed that energies could easily become money laundering tools uh gao elaborated that there is an increase uh, increasing unlawful exploration of various new cryptographic technologies that illicit actors uh, offer self-identify as innovators so which uh, we talked about uh, earlier that it could be used in scams but yeah it could be used to claim money which yeah uh, um, so yeah environmental concerns artists and buyer fees sales platforms charge artists and buy and buyers fees for minting listing and claiming and secretary sales so that's how they make any money off this analysis uh, of the nft market in march 2021 in the immediate aftermath of the people's every day's first five thousand days selling for 69.3 million found that most nft artworks were selling for less than 200 dollars while they're selling for less than 100. what was that sorry i was saying that's nuts <laughs> oh yeah absolutely uh those selling for below 100 were paying platform fees between 72.5 percent and 157.5 percent of that total they're paying more to sell it than they are selling it for mm-hmm. i don't It's just dumb. <laughs> yeah, I just don't know. Uh, plagiarism and fraud, like we've already talked about. There have been cases of artists having their work sold by others as an as an NFT without permission. Um, uh, after the artist Queen Han died in twenty twenty, her identity was assumed by a fraudster, and a number of her works became available for purchase as NFTs. Uh, similarly, as an opposing as Banksy succeeding in selling an NFT supposedly made by the artist for three hundred thirty six thousand dollars. Uh, um, that one did actually get refunded at least, but I don't think the Queen Han uh, once did. Doesn't say if it did. I'm not sure. But, so yeah, but either way, so yeah, generally it's incredibly easy to plagiarize uh, other artwork for to create an NFT, which is um, also helped by the fact that it's anonymous to the user. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, there's the wallet, but if if you're not bragging about it, it's easy enough to do it. Uh, uh, DeviantArt is actually um, creating uh, or created a tool to combat this quite quite well. Actually, uh, they created a bot that searches and compares user art to popular NFT marketplaces. If the bot finds art that's similar, it warns the user and instructs them how they can contact the NFT marketplace and request they take down the plagiarized work. Which I saw that um, um, a few a little bit ago, and I was very happy to see that DeviantArt are taking it seriously, mm-hmm. which is nice. Yeah. Well, I mean, um, it's such a popular site, you would hope they would. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Especially with it all being about uh, place, posting their artwork. Mm-hmm. Which, just because it's expected doesn't mean it would happen. So I'm just happy to see it. That's what I mean. Uh, That's fair. So, yeah. Uh, in their announcement of developing NFT support for the graphics editor Photoshop, Adobe proposed creating an interplanetary file system database as an alternative means for establishing authenticity. So, yeah, basically... Well, not basically. Uh, a lot of companies are starting to have a look to see if 
it's worth investing anything into the blockchain, into NFTs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's where a lot of these companies are now talking about possibly trying to do something like that on their on their mm-hmm. online sites and why so many people are unhappy <laughs> yeah. about the idea. Uh, I, uh, I know uh, specifically one example um, was... Um, the company Hasbro, uh, who mm-hmm. uh, they're a prolific, uh, pr- prolific toy maker, uh, they um, released um, uh, Power Rangers Megazord. Uh, they put it up for pre-order, but they also put up an NFT of the Megazord in a different color scheme, and you had to purchase the NFT. And if you did, you also got a version of the toy. But you couldn't just buy that toy without getting an NFT, and people weren't happy about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, it was the same price, so the price didn't shift. But it was it was just a really weird way of getting involved in NFTs, and there was a bit of backlash uh, along that. Anyway, last sort of thing is pyramid and Ponzi scheme claims. Like we've already talked about, there's a lot of dubiousness about mm-hmm. about it being whether it's actually. Worth all the hype, or if it's just a lot of people trying to hype it up to to make money. The structure of the NFT market has uh, been seen by some as being similar to a pyramid or Ponzi scheme, where early adopters profit at the expense of those buying in later. So, as more people come in from the recommendations of everyone else, Mm -hmm. and that money gets put in, it goes back into the people who are already there. And if people don't join after those new people, that might, there won't be any more money going to the people yeah. who've just joined. It's and... the whole pyramid scheme yeah. idea. Absolutely. Basically, it's just adding more and more people over and over. But every time people are added, everyone who's already there gets money. Yeah. And it just keeps going uh, and going and going. Which means if you're on the outer ring of people joining, you won't make money. And eventually it'll break because people will stop joining. Mm-hmm. And then everybody will start to lose all the money, except the people who were right at the, there at the beginning who have already cashed out mm-hmm. and haven't put any money in since the start. Um, yeah. And I could definitely see that sort of thing with how much people are trying to hype up and get people in into it. That could just be a bunch of people who genuinely think it is the future. And don't understand. But it could... <laughs> Yeah, but it could also be people with malicious intent. Yeah, it's hard, um, and there's no way to know unless you know the person you're talking to. Which the whole point is that you don't. Mm-hmm. So, um, I think, yeah, that's about as much as we... It's about as deep as I think we're going to be able to go. Yeah, in as, on... especially at, like, midnight. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Or, it's 8am for me, but I work night, so I, it's also, like, right after work for me. So, but that's mm-hmm. the general sort of... A general sort of overview of what NFTs are, what they've been doing. Uh, sort of, I think just to wrap up, is just be careful. Uh, Do your research. You, yeah, yeah. We're not going to tell you whether you should spend your money. No, uh, no one should be doing that. Um, just be aware that there are dubious claims. Uh, some things that you could potentially buy might mm-hmm. be stolen. And also, if you buy something that's stolen and it gets removed from the blockchain, uh, you probably wouldn't get any of your money back. Yeah. So, with so, um, like I said, these are all just things that we're, we're speculating because uh, we've been very honest about being speculating. We don't uh, invest in cryptocurrency. No, we're not we, experts we in this stuff. <laughs> no, don't have any NFTs. Uh, 
don't so, want to. No, not particularly. I I think it's all a bit sketchy personally. Mm-hmm. But if if you if you read it through and feel like it's trustworthy, that's down to, to you guys. Just yeah, just do your your research and make sure you're happy with everything that you are seeing before uh, you put your own money at risk. Yeah. Um, so yeah. With all that being said, I think that's a decent point for for, for this episode to, to finish on. I agree. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah. Thank you for listening. We hope you at least have found uh, this interesting. It's actually been interesting to talk about and look into it a little bit deeper. Uh, I still don't trust it, but mm-hmm. it, it was at least interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think it was at least an informative episode, as much as it can be when you're not talking to someone who's, like, an expert in this. Oh, well, yeah. Absolutely. Um, But like I said, there's plenty of things to look into. There's plenty of YouTube videos that go into Mm -hmm. this thing in way more detail than we have the time to do. And, yeah, feel free to look into it yourself and... You're smart, so you, you, you'll figure out what you want to be doing, whatever, whatever way that is. Exactly. And until then, uh, don't forget to geek thyself. Yeah. Uh, see you later, guys. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Geek Thyself. Don't forget to check out all the other amazing content on the Nerdsmith Network. If you have any questions for either of us, you can get in contact with us on Twitter at geek underscore thyself. You can also email us at geek thyself at nerdsmith.org and please don't forget to go to itunes and leave us a review or also go anywhere you listen to your podcasts we'll be back next week with another informative and fun episode and until then don't forget to geek thyself geek thyself